from the Ram Studio connected by AT&T. Welcome to The Search. I am Miles Simmons. I'm here with JB Long, and we are very pleased to be joined by Ram COO and Executive Vice President of Football Operations, Kevin Demoff. Kevin, how are you doing? It's been a crazy couple of days. Yeah? Doing well. <laughs> the, it, when you get something like The Search, you know, in quotation marks, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a glimpse into what your world looks like, I guess. Yeah. So this is, you know, this early process of the head coaching search. Uh, just in general, what are some of the things that you have to do at this point right now to get this off the ground? I think the most important thing is you do right now is the sequencing of interviews and how that goes and, and the rules of the NFL. And that's one of the benefits we had by having a little bit of a chance to plan for this over the past few weeks is getting your list together so that when you call teams, when you request permission from teams and you're talking to agents about how you can schedule that you have in your mind a map of the United States, you know, the candidates and, and what the dates are. And it's a little bit like a, a Tetris, hmm. you know, puzzle. Okay, you can go to, you know, the buy teams on Friday or Saturday. You can talk to the wildcard teams after they've completed their first game, win or lose, right. and get those dates. And obviously if they lose, it's a little more flexible, but you have to lock in what happens if they win. Uh, the coaches who are out of the playoffs, everybody's trying to get them in this week. And so you have to have a ranking of, you know, how you want to talk to them and, and who's most important and convey that to, to the agents so that they know how to set their guys up. And I think everybody, you know, you have a pool probably of 10 to 12 names in the NFL that have been floating around for, for most teams, the team, and all of those candidates are somewhat being shuffled in a deck. And today it might be Los Angeles, tomorrow San Francisco, Jacksonville, Buffalo, and you're trying to make all of that work together. Following Black Monday and the final week of the regular season, how do you feel about where the Los Angeles Rams job stacks up against some of the more recent additions to the NFL coaching search, including San Francisco? Well, I think what's most important, how I feel about how the job stacks up, is going to be finding the right candidate for our job. For, for some candidates, this may not be the job they want because of you know, a philosophy that they have about, you know, maybe they play a 3-4. You know, yeah. maybe they want to do a three, four and look, we have the best three technique in the NFL and maybe <laughs> yeah. a three, four doesn't make a ton of sense <laughs> no, for the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> you know, obviously people will talk, you know, I, I see, you know, we have more picks than people discuss. I mean, I, I think the one thing to remind people is, you know, as you look at the trade for Jared, if we get a compensatory third round pick, that is the pick that goes to Tennessee. So should we get that? We'll have our third round pick. So you know, we expect we have a chance to get a fourth round compensatory pick. So all of a sudden we could have a full complement of eight picks. Yes, we may not have a first rounder, but we have, we'll have a second rounder. We might have a third. We might have two fourths, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. You know, we have plenty of salary cap space to do what we want. I think the job is very attractive, but I think it's going to take the right fit. There are also going to be people who, you know, there are some coaches who may say, I want to coach in Los Angeles. There are some coaches who may say, I prefer to be in a smaller market. I think all of those factors come in. It's individualized for us, and it's individualized for each of the coaching candidates, how they prioritize you know, the way the world works. You may have a coach who's from a certain area of the country that wants to get back there. I would love at this point if all of the coaching candidates were from Southern California <laughs> and wanted to get back here, but that's not the case. But I think as the jobs stack up, I'm sure there are positives and I'm sure there are negatives. Quite frankly, if you have an opening, there are negatives. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that is why you have an opening. Yeah. The, the key is, you know, what are the positives to your job? How do people view it? And I think when you look at us, the first thing people look at is ownership. You know, Stan's commitment to Los Angeles, the project that we're doing at Hollywood Park, you know, the fact that he's been a patient owner in all sports. When you look at not only the Rams, I think people point to that, but you look at 
Arsenal and the run that Arsene Wenger's had, when you look at the Nuggets and the run that George Carl I mean, you have a history of you know veteran coaches who've had a long time and the people have done that. Obviously, when you have a quarterback, and Jared had his ups and downs in the first year, but you have a young quarterback in place who's 22 years old. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go find that. Usually head coach openings come with question marks at quarterback, and I think if you look at this year's crop, that's probably no different than it is any other year. Yeah. Usually those two go hand in hand, uh, but it, we're fortunate to have a very young player in Jared. We have a talented defense. We have talented special teams. There's lots of good news about our team, but obviously there are going to be some questions that everybody walks in with that they want to have answered, and we want to answer of them. And I think that's why this process is so interesting. And you learn a lot more about your team. They learn more about your organization. And you find that right fit. Yes. How much is this process is kind of you selling what this is and then the head coaching candidates selling who they are and how they can fit into it? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, you want to sell them on the positives of your organization, but you want them to be honest with you about how they view your opportunity and your challenges. Mm-hmm. Because the worst thing to have happen is they say everything's great and you hire them and they walk in the first week and they say, oh, I don't like, you know, this, this, and this. I think the best thing, if you're going to set up a constructive, you know, football operation that everybody can be honest in dialogue, they can challenge each other, they can push, they can ask difficult questions, and we can all build that kind of environment. It shouldn't just be, you know, all one side on it. We shouldn't be selling. They shouldn't be selling. It should mm-hmm. be an honest conversation about how you make the Los Angeles Rams Super Bowl champions, and there are no sacred cows in this discussion. Let's go get everything on the table. Let's make sure that we know what you think, you know how we view it, and that we find common ground. And when we find that, you'll know you have your guy. What you say there about we want to know what you think about us as we're currently constituted, the list of at least NFL coaching candidates that have been linked to interviews with Los Angeles Rams, many of them, the vast majority of them, played against this team at least once, if not twice this season. Is part of the reason why you're casting a wide net to get honest, candid feedback about where the roster is in terms of the Rams organization? Well, I think there are two reasons to do it. The first is you want to know what everybody thinks about our football team. This is your best chance to learn about your football team and your organization that you're going to get ever. These Mm -hmm. people are walking in and telling you, hey, I've played against you. I've studied your team. This is what I think your strengths are. This is what I think your weaknesses are. You'd be a fool not to try to get as much of that opinion as possible to try to get away. And I was... You know, there was the inner Al Davis. Al Davis used to have coaching searches that went on for three, four weeks Mm -hmm. because he wanted to talk to everybody about every player on his team. And, you know, some of it was just informational and some of it was you were a real candidate. You know, I think for us, the way it's a different era now, you can't just do informational interviews. (laughs) You know, you have to identify who you want, talk to them and have them be real candidates. But it is helpful, as you've mentioned, that nine of the 11 guys that we've been linked with have played us because they have experience. You know, when you talk to guys, you know, maybe it's a team that blew us out. Maybe it's a team we played twice and split with. You know, maybe it's a team that came down to the very end and, you know, we made a mistake and they said, hey, that's your fatal flaw. You learn a lot about your football team. And, you know, it's easy to walk in and say, hey, Aaron Donald, you know, Johnny Hecker, you know, really good players, (laughs) right? But what you find out is, okay, maybe – you know, your 32nd ranked offense. We like some of your talent, but maybe your scheme wasn't there. Maybe your scheme was there, your talent wasn't there. Those are the questions that we're really trying to get to the heart of. And people do give you great information there. And then you can go build that back and filter. And I think the one thing is, it gets back to Miles' point. If someone comes in and just wants a job, they'll tell you anything. Yeah. 
that's not a good interview. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help because someone who says, I love all of your talent, don't make a change. We were four and 12. <laughs> you know, we, we were seven and 90. Like, we know that that's not true. What we want is, hey, I, I think you're strong here, but, but maybe weaker here. And, you know, one of the other things that we've been able to do on this, it's not just the coaching candidates. We've talked to a lot of, you know, Hall of Fame mentors, people who have been around this game, who have been around these coaching candidates. How do you feel about the organization? How do you feel about the talent? What coaches would you recommend? And a lot of them have given us honest feedback about the roster, many of it in a positive way, mm -hmm. but also here's where you're deficient. And I think those, I'm not going to say it, but I don't think it takes a genius to figure out some of it falls on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, you know, those things are all helpful as you, you figure out this puzzle. So then when you look at these head coaching candidates, what are some of the traits that you prioritize that you would like to see in the next Los Angeles Rams head coach? You know, we talked about this at the press conference a little bit. It's leadership. Yeah. It, it's getting the most out of the 53 guys, the 10 practice squad players, the training staff, the equipment staff, working hand-in-hand -hand with personnel. It's leading the organization. And, you know, the one thing, I think you look at the past few years, you know, Jack Del Rio going to the Raiders probably wasn't the most talked about hire of that cycle. Jack Del Rio's done a really good job developing Derek Carr and that franchise to where they've gone. It's a defensive coach, you know, taking a, a good young offensive player and making him better. Dirk Cutter, you know, getting promoted in Tampa and with the improvement Tampa made. When you look at Tennessee, Mike Malarkey and the improvement they made, I think if you look at John Harbaugh coming out of nowhere and, you know, how that hire's gone, there's so many different ways to get this right you know, and the formula that works that people look at that. I think what the common trait that you find in all of them, though, is leadership. There isn't the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, a special teams coach, a college coach. There is no silver bullet in head coaching. If we, right. You can study all the numbers, the analytics. If everybody knew the one formula to get it, you would go do it. Yes. And, but I think you can look at Bill Belichick may go down as the most successful coach in NFL history. His tenure in Cleveland may not have been, if you were looking at that today and hiring someone who had that kind of tenure, you might not say, oh, boy, that guy's going to be the most successful you know, coach in history. Bill Walsh started off struggling you know, and came from Stanford. There's so many different paths, but the key element is leadership, having a plan, you know, and being able to relate to your players on a personal level and getting the most out of them. And I think when you read the quotes from our players and the media, and the same thing they've told to us privately, you know, we need more accountability, we need more discipline, you know, we need to come together more. We need to figure out a way to do that. And I think you need to find a head coach who has the leadership abilities to get that done. And that's not to say that Coach Fisher didn't have that. Sure. I, I think that's the, the biggest misnomer here. Whatever happened, happened for a reason. Jeff Fisher was a good football coach. He won a lot of games in Tennessee. He's going to finish high up on the list of all-time coaches and wins. I know people have talked about it. Those are, you know, really good elements. For whatever reason, we weren't finishing games this year. Mm hmm we need to go find a way to do that. And when you look at, I think, 10 games this year that came down to the final drive yeah. out of 16, you know, if you find a way to win more of those, you're in the playoffs. Absolutely. And I think to us, when you talk about our team, we had the fourth quarter lead in Detroit on the road. You know, we jumped all over the Giants early, you know, and, you know, have tied in the fourth quarter, you know, with them. You know, we beat Seattle. You know, we fourth quarter lead over the Dolphins. These are all playoff teams that we had leads over the fourth quarter and the games just got away from us for whatever reason. This team is not far, but it's finding that missing ingredient that gets you to Detroit, to New York, to Miami. For those teams, when we played them, we were all on the same level record-wise and game-wise. For some reason, they went here, we went here. 
there are a lot of different reasons for that. Certainly the relocation can play into that. But what's that secret formula that gets you to a Detroit where you win nine games where you're trailing in the fourth quarter when you go on an eight-game win streak like the Giants may have done, you know, the Dolphins? That's what I think we need to go find. Hypothetically, you're interviewing me, and we have some mutual interests. We're getting close to maybe talking about moving forward. You've mentioned Jared Goff as being a pre-existing asset that this franchise has to offer its next head coach. Would you give that coach the opportunity to sit down with Jared and see if they're a philosophical match? Maybe that coach did or did not have a chance to evaluate Jared in the pre-draft process, might want to just be in the same room with what could be his franchise quarterback. Possible or no? Yeah, I think it's possible that you could try to find a way to connect them. When, when we did Jeff Fisher, we try to connect him with Sam Bradford, you know, the same way, same time, right? Mm -hmm. You want to make sure... Yeah. You know, it gets harder, you know, as you go through some of the rules process, if you're going to do a team on the bye, you have to do it in their facilities. So they're not going to have a chance to do that. You know, on a second interview, might you be able to figure out a way to do that? You know, and I wouldn't just say Jared Goff. I would say, you know, a couple of other our players on the leadership council, you know, should be part of mm -hmm. the group. You know, someone should have a feel for that. Maybe they know them. You know, one of the nice things about a Jared Goff is he did the circuit last year as a draft pick. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of teams that spend time with him at the Combine that may have worked him out privately. So they have a better feel for Jared than, than maybe some of the other players who have, have come through. But I think the players are a key part in this. And it's one of the, you know, I got asked three weeks ago, one of the reasons for the timing of doing this, you know, ahead of Monday is so that you have a chance to talk to your players over the course of a few weeks and what they value in the next head coach, what they loved about Jeff, what they want, you know, to see come forward. And I think they're a very key part of this. They're, they're going to be the ones that have to get it out of them. We have a young team. You know, there will be personnel turnover. There's, you know, on average, a third of your team turns over without a coaching change, with a coaching change. You know, that creeps up a little bit more. But with a really young team, you know, there's going to be some people that say, I really like this guy. I do it. But we've got to find the leaders in our team. And you, know, you would like to try to find a way to pair your, what I would say, your finalist. I don't know that you do it. Right. you know, with all 11, 13 guys you talk sure. to. But as you get down to the last two or three, I think it is a positive. Yeah, well, what are sort of the differences between this sort of first interview and then you've got the second interview later that comes at the second date? You know, I, I think what comes down to it, and I can only speak from previous experience, if you do a first interview, sometimes it's you want them to come see the facility. You want them to meet Reggie Scott, yeah. you know, the trainer. You want them mm -hmm. to meet a Jimmy Lake. You want them to meet an artist. We'll keep them away from, from all of you. Um, <laughs> But it's a little bit more of, I think when you get to the second one, you've agreed on philosophy. Sure. You've kind of agreed on approach. It's a little bit more fact-finding on, okay, what's it like to live near the facility? Right. You know, what's it like to come into this building every day? Maybe it's a little bit more in-depth talk about the roster and how you see the last 20 guys. I think that's your difference. I mean, the first one is so much philosophy and leadership qualities and big picture. I think the second one gets a little bit more focused on, hey, we've already agreed that we're agreed and aligned philosophically. Mm -hmm. Now we've got to talk about players one through 63. We've got to talk about the setup and how we make this work. I would venture a guess that at some point during this interviewing process, you'll have a candidate A who says, Kevin, I think your organization is really close. I think with some better decisions uh, in game, with some better player development, with a couple of key free agent additions, I think we're there in the NFC West next year. And there's probably a candidate B who says, Kevin, I want to take this job. I think the future in Los Angeles is bright. But without a first-round pick this year with four wins, I'm not sure that it's going to be a one- or a two-year rebuild. It might be three to five. Is there one of those theories you're more likely to subscribe to? No, I think you get – I think if you look at that, you get a little bit trapped. I think it gets back to 
leadership philosophy, how they want to build their team. And you don't want to choose someone because they say, hey, we can compete next year. You want to choose someone who says, we have the resources and ability to win Super Bowls in Los Angeles, and I'm going to get the most out of your players. That may be next year or maybe the following year. I do think, but again, you want them to be honest. You want them to come and say, here's the challenges I see. And I think as an organization, you have to be honest enough with yourself to say, it's easy to think. It's a quick fix. It's one year. It goes back to what we said at the press conference. As an organization, we need to improve. We all know that. We all take that upon our shoulders from a personnel standpoint, from you know, a coaching standpoint, from everything that goes in the football team, we have to get better. And I would rather someone come in and say, these are your warts. We're going to go solve them than pretend they don't exist. Because I would think that the person isn't being as transparent as they need to be. Now, they may, you know, it may be the way you look at the world. I'm a One's an optimistic person, one's a pessimistic person. <laughs> uh, and, and that just may be how you talk with them. Mm-hmm. But I do think you get to the point of, let's be honest. If they say, hey, guys, we're not good enough at our jobs and you know, I'm going to challenge and push all of you or we may need to make changes, I think we need to listen to that. Mm-hmm. And we need to, to embrace that rather than, hey, you guys are all great guys and I love your team and uh, this is a magic pill that's going to fix it. There is no magic pill in the NFL. There is no silver bullet. What it takes is teamwork, camaraderie, leadership. And if you get that right, I think the other por- portions of nobody knows how long these things take. There's worst to first. You know, there are two years. Unfortunately, you know, we always thought for the past few years we were right on the cusp. And I think one of the things for us that's frustrating is we finished last year three and one. You lose in overtime in San Francisco without Todd Plant. You start this year three and one over that stretch of eight games. And I, and I'm not cobbling together statistics. Over that half a season, you were six and two. Only the Vikings and the Chiefs were really right there, you know, with you from a record perspective. What went wrong from there? Are we closer to that team or are we closer to the team that finished 0 and 7? You know, that's what we need to answer honestly. Yeah. So, one last thing I want to ask is uh, how much do assistants factor into the whole head coaching search? You know, who a guy can bring with them to help develop, you know, all the players on both sides of the ball. How does that factor into it? You know, it certainly factors in. You want to talk to someone about a plan. I look at it more of what do they seek in an assistant when it's not just that they come with a list. Because I think historically people come with a list and then somebody else gets hired, a guy goes here. You know, it's not, this isn't a draft. (laughs) You know, these guys have choices. And and so you want to talk to them about philosophy, right? Who, who do you want as an offense? If it's a defensive guy, especially, who do you want as your offensive coordinator? What kind of philosophy do you have? Mm-hmm. Who are two or three people who fit that philosophy? What kind of assistance do you want? You know, do you want, you know, assistants who are very hands-on or do you want maybe older guys, you know, who are going to have a younger assistant, you know, defensive line coach underneath them? Yeah. That's a lot more of philosophy. And they'll usually come with names and some will say, hey, I've coached this guy forever. I know he's coming or hey, I would love to go talk to this guy. I just don't know if I can, can get with him. The other thing I think you have to talk about with assistance is the way the NFL... Not, teams aren't obligated to grant permission for a linebacker's coach to become your defensive coordinator. Right, exactly. Or for, yeah. you know, the only thing you have to grant permission for is head coach. And I'm not sure that many people know that, and, and that's sort of an issue here. And, and that's really... Cha- you know, I would say a decade ago was kind of commonplace that people always allowed for promotion. Now... The game has gotten so competitive. These coaches, people invest so much time, effort, and money into them. Right. That it is rare that, you know, a an offensive line coach can go be a coordinator somewhere unless they have a relationship with the head coach. It all depends on the philosophy of the other head coach. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you may target a guy, but he may not be available for a year. 
And I think that's okay too, right? You know, I think historically we always talk about they have to put together the best staff and you want that. But you also, you know, and we asked this question in interviews, if you had to wait a year for a guy, how would you handle that? Mm. You know, would you still want to wait a year for a guy? You know, obviously you go hire the position, but you know, how do you evaluate some of those scenarios if the best candidate you have gets blocked and you know they have a year left? You know, how does that play out? And I think you see a great example of that, you know, with someone like a, a Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph had, you know, didn't have a chance to get out, you know, People want to interview him for head coach, but he got blocked as a defensive coordinator. And then he went to Miami as a defensive coordinator. You know, there are, you know, he's done a nice job there. But I think when you look at the world, you may have to wait a year or two to put together a good staff. So, I mean, to me, that's all part of the coach's philosophy. If you walk in and say, I have to have this staff, I have to have these guys right now, I think you're going to wind up disappointed in the staff sure. that you get. I think if it's, you know, at wide receivers coach, I want someone who's played the game who's hands-on, you know, at quarterbacks coach, you know, maybe I want someone who's a little bit more cerebral. I don't care if they've played. You want philosophies for each position and how they want to put it together because then you can probably come up with a list of three or four guys at each spot along with them that they can go get and usually one of them will work out. Two uh, quick hitters for me to finish because I know Miles and I are not on your short list. Um, (laughs) You're going to spend the better part of this week and maybe next vetting NFL candidates, of course, because of the scheduling patterns. Are there still college coaches in your pool of candidates? You know, I think when you do your homework, you're always intrigued by college coaches and mainly for the reason they have head coaching experience. And I think that that's always one of the things that when you're looking at the leadership qualities and what, you know, there are head college head coaches who have come in and done great things when you look at a Pete Carroll. Um, there are college coaches who have come in and struggled to adapt, a Steve Spurrier. And... And so I think when you do your homework, the one thing I've said over and over again is we're not going to limit any opportunity we have to make this a better football organization. And I think you have to include college coaches in that. Most of them don't want to make the jump. They all want to be, you know, in college. And so I always say you never rule them out, but you also presume they have good head coaching jobs and they may not be interested in your opportunity any other NFL opportunities. You know, I don't see that as being an active part of our search. You know, I think our focus right now is assistant coaches in the NFL who are likely to become head coaches right. because that's the most logical place that you're going to find your next group. Sure. Now, if there are people who are doing other things that, you know, the truth of the matter is they're happy usually doing what they're doing, whether they're retired, whether they're coaching college, there's a reason they're doing that. Um, and I, I think you usually have to do that but you're doing your organization a disservice if you're not doing your homework on every potential head coach that you could hire from college to the NFL to those who are out of the NFL. And that being said, does that still put you in a position to kind of hit that second week of January sweet spot that you listed as maybe the target area for making a hire? You know, I, we're probably still in that, that time frame. Uh, could it get pushed back? Could it get moved up? I think those are flexible. I think when we look through it, and I, I probably – you know, when I, I walk through at the press conference, the history of hiring it, you know, the A-list coaches, the, the no-brainers, you know, they typically go that January 10th to 12th. The next, dom, you know, that domino starts to fall. The rest of those guys go January 15th, 16th. But, you know, then you get to the later coaches. You know, I probably should have just said, hey, we'll hire a head coach sometime before the start of the offseason program. <laughs> and, you know, April 3rd, circled on your calendar. We'll have yeah, a guy, that would have been accurate. You, you know, we'll, we'll have a guy by then. Um you know, this could wrap up 
this weekend, it could wrap up next week. It could wrap up after the Super Bowl. And it goes back to the same point. The number one goal is getting this right for the Los Angeles Rams. And I'd probably, in hindsight, say that is the history of when guys get hired. I think you want to try to move forward with the organization and get in place really by mid-January. But if that doesn't happen, I don't think that means we haven't lived up to our timeline. I think it means that we're we're curious about people who are still exist. Mm-hmm. There's more due diligence to be done or you know, something else has happened that's caused us to, to deviate from a timeline. All right. Well, Kevin, we thank you very, very much for your time. I know you've got more phone calls to make, more visits to make, so we'll let you get back to it. So for JB Long, I'm Miles Simmons. That is this episode of The Search. Be sure to stay tuned to the Rams.com as we've got more throughout the month of January.